The UK Report with Adam Gilchrist. Good morning, Adam. You well this morning, sir? Hey, good morning, Kino. Yeah, very well, thank you. Very well. Good, did good. I say Happy New Year yesterday? I think I did. Yes, yes, and I'll say it again, though. It feels good, it though. 2014 is <laughs> going to be a great year. Happy New Year once again, Adam. <laughs> Do you remember how once upon a time you'd get confused this time of the year because when you were writing checks, you didn't know what date to put on it? Well, yeah. nobody writes checks anymore, so... <laughs> Um, how do we get confused? We must get confused in other ways. I Listen, I get confused with days, let alone years. But anyway, <laughs> now tell us about this uh, I mean, historical abuse. This is a, mm. a pretty sad one. Eh? Hundreds respond to the Northern Ireland child abuse inquiry. Yeah, it's some of the most distressing stuff around, I have to say. Mm. And these are stories from 75 years of abuse and cruelty in uh, children's homes and other institutions in Northern Ireland, specifically Northern Ireland, as opposed to the Republic of Ireland. And, of course, there's been an awful lot of stuff about the Republic of Ireland, uh, remembering the film and the book, The Magdalene Sisters, and uh, Philomena, the, the film last year. That touches on it, doesn't it? But this yeah. is uh, this is real-life stuff. This is the focus, in particular, on 13 children's homes and what went on there, nearly all of them run by nuns, Four. 130 people have come forward. Um, many of them scattered to the winds these days. You know, the, the kind of stuff they suffered was in their childhoods, and many now, well, some, some are obviously still in Northern Ireland, some still in the UK, but uh, they've scattered around the world. I wonder if any have pitched up in South Africa. But the kind of stuff is, you know, they're talking about in their childhoods in these homes being beaten, tortured, starved, sexually abused in some cases, locked in cupboards, forced into hard labour, neglected. Um, just in some cases, uh, one woman was talking about being aged three in one of these homes and just being locked in a cupboard and left. And she was in tears and nobody came to answer her calls. That must just be, absolutely rips you in two, surely, even yeah. thinking about it in later life. So, of course, uh, in an awful lot of cases, the people who could be brought to justice have long since perished. Um, but in some cases, the victims want closure for themselves. In some cases, they want apologies. But an awful lot of them just say they want to speak out, you know, sometimes on behalf of people they shared these homes with who themselves uh, have long since died or whose cries went unheard in the night. And it's very moving. And it will take some time as well, because, as I say, there's an awful lot of people who want to come forward. Absolutely, absolutely. Self-obsessed MPs, there's nothing new. It's like a car reversing backwards, yeah? They find uh, no end of ways of spending our money, don't they, MPs? And well done, <laughs> because we wouldn't have a clue, would we, what to do with our own money. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Britain's MPs wasting taxpayers' money again, this time on portraits of themselves. Uh, you could say the ultimate in vanity projects. £250,000 has been spent on oil paintings of politicians. Or in the case of John Major, it was a bronze bust. Now, you could argue the great and the good have always been preserved in portrait form, you know, once upon a time it was the only way of preserving them. But, of course, in this day and age there are things called photographs. And you just wonder if maybe just all the MPs lined up and took a few selfies, that would save rather a lot of money, and still <laughs> preserve their images for all time. And you kind of think if you're going to have yourself done as an oil painting, shouldn't you pay for it yourself? There again, I suppose, you know, if somebody said to you, you know, at taxpayers' expense, we're going to make a life-size statue of you sitting on a horse and <laughs> plonk it in the middle of Cape Town, you might be tempted. I think Obama had the right idea with his selfie, you see. You've got to learn from Obama, I say. Yeah. Now, interesting fungus. <laughs> Hopefully not anywhere on anybody's toes that you might know, but tell us more about this, yeah? It's difficult to get excited about fungus, isn't it? <laughs> Even athlete's foot isn't yeah. that exciting. Generally speaking, it's a bit... Uh, but we do have a rare mystery fungus. Uh, let me see if I can sell this to you. It is the Clavolinopsis cinereoides. Oh, yes, that one, yeah. Clavolinopsis cinereoides. Anyway, it's found on a, been found on a lawn 
uh, at a university in Edinburgh only just identified this uh, this fungus. It may have been there for nearly 100 years, but it's nowhere else in the UK. It is only, as far as they can tell, on this lawn in Edinburgh. Nowhere else. How did it get there? One theory is that, being a very rare mystery fungus, that it was possibly when the building was used as a hospital during the First World War, famous because the war poets Wilfred Owen and Siegfried Sassoon were treated for their injuries there, could soldiers pretty much a hundred years ago have brought the fungus back from the trenches on their boots? And the sweet thing about this is there's no way of proving it or disproving it, so we'll go with that theory. (laughs) Adam Gilchrist there with your UK report, Adam.